Extra time, Immaculate Grid, Grid 1604, Saturday, the 9th of September. This is the bonus show. This is the extra time show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. New show dropped today at noon Pacific time. Steve and I discussed dynasties and how dynasties have impacted fandom how we viewed the game, watched the game, enjoyed the game during our respective lifetimes. So check that out. It dropped today as it does every Saturday at noon Pacific. And of course, this is Extra Time Immaculate Grid Show, and it drops at 9 p.m. daily. And we review that day's Immaculate Grid. And then, of course, provide you know some anecdotes, some data, some information, some stats, about specific players typically from that day's grid or from things that are related to that day's grid but each of these episodes are evergreen so even if you're not following along on immaculate grid you may find the shows interesting as we talk about specific players and specific times and provide some context around certain years and kind of a look back sometimes on specific mvp voting or cy young voting how it turned out some of the circumstances that were going on during that particular time and just other interesting facts like we have for you today so let's jump in today's grid we've got you know saturdays seem to be immaculate grid day of the quadruple career achievement which we love this particular day because it gives you a lot of options and because there's so many options today I think I hit a high. I scored a rarity, a scarcity score of 3%. So a little bit of a flex there. And not only did I do that, I did that with seven players that at one point in time were giants, and many of which were predominantly giants. So I did that with my favorite team, which was super, super fun. So let's Look at what this looked like from left to right. The columns, we have All-Star on the left-hand column. We have Atlanta Brave in the middle column. And then on the far right-hand column, we have Hall of Famer. Then on the rows from top to bottom, we have Gold Glovers. In the middle, we have the dreaded Doyer, the Los Angeles Doyer. And then on the bottom, we have a 300 average in a season. So... In normal fashion, we always like to hit that far right-hand column first and go through the major career achievement. But that's where we have all our notes for today. So we're going to just roll through the grid, and then we'll come back with our notes. So for the top left-hand side, first square, all-star and gold glove, we had to go with RBI Thompson, Robbie Thompson, 0.02%, giant and of course, got his single gold glove in 1993. In the middle, we have Atlanta Brave and gold glove. We went Phil Negro, 0.9%. Hey, if you're going to be throwing a knuckleball, you better be a good fielder, right? Because, I mean, that ball's, if they get a hit on that ball, it's going to get squibbed, and you got to you gotta field your position, right? So Phil, Phil Negro here, Hall of Famer, last guy to win 20 and lose 20 in a season. Go check that episode out. We detail Phil Necro's entire career, which is a pretty amazing career. I don't think that guy gets some of the credit that he probably should. Then in the top right-hand corner, again, although he was a giant for five minutes, he got his 4,000th career strikeout. 
as a giant and he's a hall of famer of course steve carlton he comes in at 0.3 percent started out as a cardinal cut his teeth really as a hall of famer as a philly then in the left side middle for all-star and doyer we went you know mr mustache jeff kent 0.4 percent of course jeff kent you know, his Hall of Fame career is predicated on that MVP season with the Giants and the several seasons that he, you know, played with the Giants. And then he kept that up, you know, had some solid years with Houston and then finished off with the Doyer. He's actually from Bellflower, which is Los Angeles area, but he went to Cal. He's a Cal guy. And he actually was one of the key people that helped keep the Cal baseball program alive. It was actually going to disband, but uh, I believe if I find my facts correct, Jeff Kent was part of a group that kind of helped fund that and keep it going. Then in the middle, we have Jason Schmidt for Atlanta and Los Angeles Doyer. Of course, we talked about Schmidt the other day and highlighted his career. He is possibly the worst free agent signing in Dodgers history. He comes in at 0.06%. He was originally brave, was traded to Pittsburgh in the Denny Neagle deal, and then he went to the Giants for Ryan Vogelsong and Armando Rios. We talked about that the other day. Hall of Fame and Doyer, we went Juan Marichal, 0.2%. Marichal, rear giant, second to last season, Red Sox, and final season as a Doyer only had was 0 and 1 that was his only uh record of note as a doyer bottom left hand square we've got my favorite player will clark william newsler clark 0.2 percent then at the bottom atlanta braves and 300 average we went with bob horner at one point in time in my lifetime he was the most current player to have four home runs in a single game and then in the bottom right-hand corner for Hall of Fame and a 300 average in a season, we went super crust here to stay with Giants because we pretty much couldn't, you know, I didn't want to go with Willie. He, of course, did it. I didn't want to go with McCovey. I didn't want to go with Cepeda. I've been using those guys a lot. And Barry's not in the Hall. So we went Melot here, 0.3%. But let's get into our notes because we've got some great notes for you today. So for Gold Glove and Hall of Famer, there are 51 total players that qualified for this particular square. Now, remember, we actually detailed the Gold Glove in an episode, so go find that. And as we've talked before in the descriptions, I think this is one of the older episodes where if you have to click on the more portion of the description to see it. So we talk about gold, you know, the Gold Gloves, the inception, the you know first set of gold glove winners and when it changed from a single league to one in each league and then the changes in gold gloves so you might have to press more on the new descriptions it's all at the top so you don't have to worry about pressing more so apologies for that but i believe that's a little bit of an older episode so check that out gold glove interviews from 57 there are 396 total gold glove winners if i did the math and sorting properly individual winners there are 207 total hall of fame 270 total hall of flamers that number is irrefutable that that number is correct so only 51 of the hall of famers are gold glovers now the exercise that i didn't do is which of those 270 are players prior to 1957 so i'll do that for you and i'll come back at a, another episode but 
you know, less than 20% of the field are, are, are gold glovers, which is kind of interesting. But I think a big part of that is, you know, when, you know, they just didn't play. I mean, Willie Mays did his first six years in the league before gold glove even existed. And he's got the most tied for the most for outfielders. And he would easily have the most all time, presumably that if he would have, if they would have had the award when he first, uh, you know, was a rookie. As far as Los Angeles Doyer and Hall of Famer, per the summary, when you click on the summary, it says there's 52 players that qualified for this box. But when you click on that to see, it only reveals 47 players. Now, I don't know if this is because I don't have premium baseball reference or if, in fact, it's incorrect and there's only 47. However, comma, I did look at the total list and in the total list, I pulled which players primarily were Doyers and who went into the hall with a Doyer hat. And there are 11. So 52 players allegedly per the summary, 47 when you click at the list and 11 really or prim primarily Doyers. And they are. And these are the years that they were inducted into the Hall of Fame not the years of their career. You have in 55, Dazzy Vance. Of course, he was a pitcher. In 1959, you had Zach Wheat. He was a left fielder. 62, of course, the great Jackie Robinson, and hopefully everybody knows he was a second baseman. 1964, Burley Grimes. He was a pitcher. Roy Campanella in 1969. He was a catcher. Sandy Koufax, 1972, pitcher. Duke Snyder, center fielder, 1980. So Duke Snyder, you know, he was, was kind of the, um, you know, he was the center fielder that was playing opposite on the other side of New York from a Willie Mays. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid, amazing player, Hall of Famer in his own right. <clears throat> but think about having to play in the 50s opposite of Willie Mays, presumably the greatest player in Major League Baseball history, and also at that particular time, a black man. I, I would I don't know. I've never read anything. I haven't really wasn't able to find anything, but um, hopefully there was no animosity there. And I would imagine that it was only dignity and respect. But uh, it'd be interesting to see if he were still around, if we could have that discussion and say, hey, what was it, what was it like? I haven't been able to find anything. And if anybody has, please shoot it over because I'd like to have that discussion and, and share that. 84, Don Drysdale pitcher of course and on an episode of the brady bunch go search that out also in 84 peewee reese he was shortstop don sutton he was uh, inducted in 98 of course he was a pitcher and then gil hodges first baseman he was inducted in 2022 that's it 11 so even though 52 listed 47 on the click 11 went in as doyer and of course, I went cheeky scarcity score here with Juan Marichal, which we know, giant. Come on, come on, son. So the bottom square. We're going to have a player highlight that came out of this. So Hall of Famer, 300 season. Now, I went, there's 270 total Hall of Famers. Of the 270, 52 of them are pitchers. So excluding pitchers, there are 218 position players. 
Of those 218 position players, every single one of them had at least one 300 season. And the one that didn't is Bill Mazeroski. Bill Mazeroski is the only Hall of Fame position player not to have a single 300 batting average season. He played 17 seasons, all with the Pirates. His career war was 36.6. He's a 10-time All-Star. Now, he's an eight-time Gold Glove winner. So, you know, he obviously played before my time. But, irrefutably, asking anybody from that time period, he was widely considered the best defensive second baseman during his respective playing time, playing years. He was a two-time World Series winner. So, 1960, the Pirates beat the Yankee. In 1971, they beat Baltimore. However, in 1971, he didn't play. So, he had an appearance in the NLCS against the Giants, but he did not play in the World Series that year. In 1960, though, that World Series, he batted 320, and he had a 640 slugging. He had four runs, eight hits, two home runs, and five RBI, and Pittsburgh won in seven games. But this is the season, the only season, the only World Series where the MVP of the series went to a losing player, and that is Bobby Richardson. So on the other side of the diamond, the same position, second base, Bobby Richardson lights it up. And not saying that Mazeroski didn't light it up, but Bobby Richardson lights it up. 367, 387, 667 slash. He has eight runs, 11 hits, two doubles, two triples, a home run, and 12 RBI. He would win MVP for the World Series, even though they lost. So back to Mazeroski. During his career, his career slash is 260, 299, 367. He had 769 runs, 769 runs, 2016 hits, 138 home runs, 853 RBI, 27 stolen bases, and his OPS plus during those years was only 84. So he's 16% below the average major leaguer. In 1958, that was his best year as far as OPS. He batted 275 with a 308 on base, 439 slugging, and a 747 OPS. He scored 69 runs, had 156 hits. He had 49 extra base hits with 19 of those as home runs. That would be his career high. He would have 68 RBI and one stolen base. He Six times in his career, he had 10 home runs or more. Bill Mazeroski's not in the major leagues today. I'm not trying to be mean, not trying to be cruel. He's not in the major leagues today. With a career average such as that, and that kind of fielding, even Ozzie Smith wasn't this poor of a hitter. Omar Vizquel was not this poor of a hitter. Now, granted, he has more career home runs than both of them, but they were much more adept at hitting, they were much more adept on the bases, scoring runs, stealing bases. And, um, you know, 
I don't know. I'm going to go back and we're going to we're going to do this on another episode. But I really want to compare him to some of the players that are considered, hey, more defensive guys, but they still got into the Hall of Fame because they were great defensively. And I don't know if Mazeroski's defense is that elite to make up for the deficiencies of his hitting. I mean, a 299 on base average for his career, 367 slugging. That just doesn't make it. You don't see second baseman like that in the league today. They don't make it. I think I'll probably pull Brandon Crawford's numbers and see how they compare to Mazeroski and maybe some other second baseman. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But that is the extra time Immaculate Grid, Grid 160. It is Saturday, the 9th of September. Check out the main show, Generations, talking about my sports generations. Today was Dynasties. I'm Jonathan. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers.